today on Laura Lynn and Friends. And David Miller in uh, used to be a mayor in Toronto was running C40 itself. You know, so here is, you know, the government that we see and then there's the government underneath that doesn't seem to be marching or accountable to us. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tatter Thompson and I am thrilled to be with you. One of my most favorite things of the day is sitting right here. I kind of call it my perch. I got to climb up on this chair. It's not like I can just sit down. I have to like climb. I don't know why uh, we got to get a different chair anyways. Just one of my daily complaints, but um, uh, I just love that we get to sit here together, learn, go through things, uh, be one another's friends, uh, link arms to fight the good fight. And it is a fight. We are in the fight of our lives. I don't think we saw it coming. I can tell you five years ago, I thought I was living the dream. I had the best job in the world. <laughs> I didn't think anything was too wrong. You know, I was uh, actually fighting, I think by five years ago, I was definitely fighting the gender nonsense. Uh, but um, I was, you know, I, I, I still thought life was like pretty good. You know, I didn't understand. There are people conspiring to destroy everything that we know that is normal, rational, reasonable, safe, and secure. <laughs> they just are. So you are going to really enjoy our show today. Uh, we'll get right into it. You know that I love to read from my dad's Bible before we start every single day. And I turned to Nehemiah. Today we're going to be talking about cities. And I was thinking about how Nehemiah was called to build a wall of protection. And um, so I turned to Nehemiah deliberately to see what my dad had thought was important in Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 4, he has a, a few things that are, that are underlined. And in verse 17 of Nehemiah 4, it says, They which built on the wall, and they that bear burdens, and those that laid it, every one with his own hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Interesting, right? What are the weapons of our warfare? Personally, I think they're spiritual. I think that knowledge can be a weapon. Like when you can take knowledge... And then you can help other people to understand what's going on. And you can propagate wisdom through the land. And, and you can basically expose darkness, expose what people are doing. I think that's important. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded. It's, it's old English. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. I think what they're saying is when you hear the sound of the trumpet, let's all get together and be of one mind in unison so that we can fight. And God is going to fight for us. Um, we today want to expose how there are people that are trying to build our cities or deconstruct our cities even into something that is really out of science fiction. And it's absolutely stunning. We have an incredible guest who's going to show us that they are building something, but it ain't good. 
Nehemiah was building the protection. And he also said to gather your families, your wives and your children, and to stand and to fight. That was Nehemiah's job on this earth. He built many, many years ago in a way. He built a wall. He built with understanding. He, he saw the evil that was set against them. And he conspired to bring the people together. And isn't it interesting, what I thought was cool right there is what's happening in our life, that we're separated. Um, the more that they bring in all this stuff, AI, all of these technologies, the more we're separated from each other. And so uh, it's very similar. You know, it's, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The same enemy is who we are still against. So... Let me read to you uh, about Lisa Miran. She is joining us today. Lisa is a lawyer of 24 years with an honors bachelor of science and minor in chemistry and LLB and an LLM. She worked in house, uh, in-house in the tech and telecom sectors, the auto sector, and ran her own firm for 11 years where she took on some large file litigation pressing her clients' rights against governmental abuse. This included the residential school Grandview case, and most notably the SARS case, where she represented the family of the first nurse who died of SARS. All right. Well, I think that kind of background set Lisa up pretty well for what she is now undertaking to help all of us. So we welcome you, Lisa. Thank you very much for waiting in the background there. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, I, I bet you're not getting paid uh, good lawyer salaries to investigate the world globalist elite cabal, right? It's probably a labor of love at this point. It's a labor of love. And, and certainly when I was researching some of this stuff, uh, it was a little bit frightening, uh, a little bit um, dystopian. And as a lawyer, you get good at researching and you, you figure things out. What I saw was a lot of the same types of legislation passing around the world. So uh, what we got here is a discussion on 15-minute cities. And most often you hear mainstream media, uh, Laura Lynn, dismissing it entirely. Like there's no such thing. We don't have any problem with 15-minute cities. It's just about you being able to walk and get your groceries. That's all it is. And, um, you know, go put on your tinfoil hat. So the reason behind the 15-minute cities and where I'm going to take you is that it's very anti-democratic. It starts very much with the global, very much with the premise of net zero. So, you know, we have to eliminate carbon. Well, the carbon they want to eliminate and sequester is us. Um, and so net zero is, a, you know, from the UN, comes right from the UN. And when I started researching this, I found a site called uh, Global Covenant of Mayors. And what it is, is that they've plotted the entire planet and each city that they have plotted is on there. Um, and you can find your own city. So it's globalcovenantofmayors.org. And you can see there, you've got 13,000 cities. You know, just a month ago, that was 12,773. And now it's 13,254. And every city's plotted. And what you... What you got to think about is that when you elect your municipal, you know, councillors and mayor, you think they're answering to you, right? But what you find out is they, they make their own commitments 
through the global covenant mayors. And, and if you're, you know, your watchers want to find out about their city and their, you know, commitments that are their mayors are making, they go into regions and cities and they can find out, you know, what type of commitments are being made and why we're scared and we have to change for climate change. So I, I, I find that word covenant, the, the word covenant is very strong. Like I'm, I'm in covenant yes. with my husband. These are very binding rules. These are, this is a very deep and intimate connection and global covenant of mayors. That's an odd way to say it. Right. And it, it's the tentacles, isn't it? This is the tentacles of the global government that isn't happening, right? We're seeing that war on the nation state. Like if you just start looking at your world, uh, are we looking at a globalist world or are we looking at a strong nation state world? And so we're not seeing our institutions act like institutions and we're not seeing our, um, you know, history being cherished. We're seeing it thrown away and we're seeing open borders. All of those things, you know, indicate that we have, a, you know, uh, a transnational state that is just on the cusp of coming out. And so a lot of that background work, if you want to pull up that um, site again, we can go into Edmonton, for instance. Okay. And so that, that where would I file regions and cities? And okay. Cities. cities. Yeah. And this is a pretty easy um, website to access. So basically you're saying that anyone could put in, uh, their city that they're living in, and what would they find out? They'd basically be finding out that, How, like, what... That, whether yeah. they've been measuring um, their carbon, right? Whether they have made commitments um, with, with this. And when you get there, you're going to see you know, that one result if they verify that you are a lovely person. <laughs> Whoops, okay. All right, there. Yeah, so let me buy for Pete's sake. Okay, so where do I push Edmonton? Okay, down here. There we go. I think Wait. I got it. All right, yeah. so we're in Edmonton. We're in Edmonton. And so see, we've, we're plotting all our emissions, right? We're doing all our emissions inventory. We're going to plot our building, our transportation, our industry, our waste, uh, and other. And that other is often food. Okay. And then they're going to tell you why Edmonton should really be scared about uh, climate change. And so you look and um, some of the items that they're listing is that positively preposterous. Okay. So fire maybe because, you know, there is, and there has been for a very long time of, you know, fires, but extreme precipitation, they have flood and sea level rise. Now for any Serious. of your viewers, right what is the sea like how close are they <laughs> to the sea right wow my oceanfront property in edmonton but so right the sea that level rise yeah so this is that very doom and gloom very reason that we need to be scared of climate change and so it should say to you and this is you a know, real joke, Lisa, extreme hot temperatures, yeah. serious, like that'd be wonderful. You know, I, Edmontonians would be bring it on, you know, let's They're have waiting. some hot weather. They're waiting for this. Um, you know, so this is in, in your, your viewers should go through and then take a look at what 
what it is that they are all about and the commitments that your mayors are making and, and make them accountable to it. Um, and if this is one level, what I next discovered uh, is that there's C40. And so it's like the PhD of Global Covenant of Mayors. It's the next level up. Okay. And uh, if we go there, they have the same type of organization where it's a .org and you find, you know, who we are, what we do, and you can find, again, our cities. And when you hit our cities, it'll show all the C40 cities around the world. And most people probably don't even know what a C40 city is. We do have a little yet, video if you want us, us to yeah, run that yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's a great time to play it. Yep. How resilient are cities? Dealing with compounding crises, a global pandemic, growing inequality, and the climate emergency. Giving up isn't an option. Cities bring the solutions, turning the what-ifs into what's possible, producing more renewable energy than they use. Vulnerable communities having fair input into their development. Clean air for all, no empty promises. Cities are full of doers. Communities of change makers, the go-getters, trendsetters, and future thinkers. Real change is with us, with you. So what will it take? Put simply, prioritizing people and the planet. There is no more room for empty commitments. It's time to turn targets into reality. Sure, progress has been made, but there is still a long way to go. Temperatures are still rising. Seas are still rising, but people are rising too, and we are standing with them. Now is the time to harness the power and potential of our cities. Let's build on the momentum and stay united in action. C40 cities. Okay, so tell me, so we're talking about the 15-minute city, and maybe you can have like an easy explanation of what they're doing with these C40 cities and how that's any different than the 15-minute. Than the and if you look at that video, you get that warm and fuzzy feeling yeah. that they're going to do some so all good. great things for climate change. And, uh, but we really, you know, we've, we've come a long way, but we have to do more to meet the targets. And so what are those targets? And what I discovered in, in the research is that the targets are actually delineated very carefully. And I had put this up on, on LinkedIn and, um, and it's called the, uh, Arab leads C40 report in a 1.5 degree Celsius world. It's a very boring report, you know, uh, title, but it's very glossy and it's very well thought out. And these are the commitments in your C40 cities. So, you know, for Canada, uh, Toronto's a C40 city and Vancouver's a C40 city. And you see, this is a headline report and I had put it up as uh, a plan, but they said, oh, that's disinformation. It's not a plan, it's an analysis. But in the very first few pages, they call these necessary changes. 
You, you know, let's quibble about disinformation, shall we? This is their report. And this report is like a final solution for humans. And you think that they're going to solve climate change with technology? Well, they're going to solve climate change with communism. And we've already seen how our democracy, you know, in the global covenant of mayors and having our cities march to an order that isn't ours, not even tell citizens what it is that they're doing. Now we're seeing what the nuts and bolts of the future urban consumption C40 commitments. And I, I would like your viewers to sort of think of the C40 government and the climate czars in their cities as the shadow government. So you might think it's about taxes or, you know, building whatever it is, your local issues that you are involved in. That's not what it's about. They've had the C40 going for a very long time. And David Miller in, uh, used to be a mayor in Toronto was running C40 itself. You know, so here is, you know, the government that we see, and then there's the government underneath that doesn't seem to be marching or accountable to us. So when we go through this report, um, you know, and, you know, we're just going into it. I, I wouldn't mind if you get, you know, scroll through and get to uh, a page six, right? So if you just even look here, it says why we need to do it and um, why it's so important to measure emissions and why uh, reducing the climate impact of urban consumption is important. And then the, the whole crux of it is that it's about um, consumptive interventions, which we can see on number six, like, cons you know, stop the consumption, okay. right? And so what are, what, how are we going to stop that consumption? And that's going to solve for that 1.5 degrees Celsius. You know, notwithstanding that we've had six ice ages, right, without an app or measuring carbon, and we've had, you know, all the interglacial periods between ice ages without handling, um, you know, our carbon. Uh, now the solution to climate is what we do. And so, it says here, what can cities do consumptive interventions by categories? And now while this is aimed at the C40 cities, which you can find out about on their site, which city is a C40 city, they also recommend that non-C40 cities, the Global Covenant of Mayor cities, also adopt these um, types of interventions. And so you're going to see that the interventions that they require uh, work tongue and groove with the smart city infrastructure and the 15 minute city. So when we scroll through, you know, the first one you're gonna get to is, keep going, it's going to be the targets for climate action, right? See, so this is what they've measured. Um, if you look at the, that graph there, they've, they've measured your building, right? They've measured your food, your private transport, your clothing, your electronic appliances, and your aviation. So remember GDP? Well, that's going to be a thing of the past. GDP is measuring growth, right? And your economy. No, no, this is planned degrowth, right? And uh, 
this building and infrastructure and food all create an amount of emissions, CO2, and they've decided, well, we're just going to reduce that. We're going to reduce how much you eat and we're going to reduce your, your transportation and we're going to reduce what you wear in your clothing and you, we're going to reduce your, you know, your cell phones and uh, how many times you get them and whether or not you can leave that city, right? Your wow. government's telling you whether or not you can leave that city and when. I'm kind of concerned about this clothing down 66%. I mean, no women uh, are going to be happy about that. So that's not going to be cool. But in all seriousness, look at the food, 60% uh, that if they get to their targets, they want to bring food down 60%. Right. Weight Watchers is going to be out of business. Right. Right. Your government (laughs) is going to be telling you what you're eating. So within the building and infrastructure, when you scroll through this, you know, this isn't a little report. This is by the University of Leeds. This is by IRA, right? An engineering type of uh, company. And they are deciding what it is that your life should look like. And by the way, this isn't in some far distant time period. This isn't 240 or 250. This is in 2030. So when you scroll through just a little bit more and you get to this table right there, and we'll bring it up so okay. your audience can see it, this is how they are solving for climate within your building, right? And they are going to make it so that there is mandated, right? Mm. Not oh, you, know, the you can opt in, but mandated efficiencies. And they can literally make your home or apartment a stranded asset, whereby um, the mandated efficiencies are so excessive that you cannot afford to do them. So, you know, that little ditty, you know, you're going to own nothing by 2030 and be happy. I haven't figured out the happy part, but this is definitely part of the you're not going to own anything. Because if you can't invest to the level that they require, then you can't rent it out or live there, right? And so it becomes a stranded asset, essentially. And so when you think of consumptive intervention, so they're solving for climate by reducing consumptive, inter, you know, your consumption. So that can happen just by making the prices of things very expensive, right? That can reduce it. Yet that can happen by bringing less things to the stores or to the city itself. That can happen through high energy costs or high transportation costs. And here's the food one. And this should frighten absolutely every single one of us. So guess what the solution for climate change is? It's what you eat, right? Your government thinks that they should tell you what to eat because, oh, climate change, right? And what I've noticed is all the things they have to make us safe for will come out with rolling out with these undercurrents and infrastructure of power, right? And some people will say, well, you know, they can write anything and put it out on the internet. 
What I found is that it's being implemented into our climate plans. So let's get to what they want to do for food. It's the next, if you scroll down to, I think it's the next page, right? There's that beautiful table. Okay, so they have decided about uh, the consumption that you're allowed. They have to intervene from you consuming food. Okay, they have a progressive target, right? And they have an wow. ambitious target. So the first one has to do with meat per person. They've decided your government has decided what you're putting in your mouth, right? Your government's on your fork. The government's in your bedroom, we know, but now the government's on your plate and it's on your fork. 16 kilograms of meat per person. That's a progressive target. So let's say that's about 1.2 kilograms per month, right? Is that, and you know, we heard in Germany, it's been on the news that their government wants them to have one sausage a month. So the ambitious target is zero, right? If they really, really do a great job and knock it out of the park, nobody's eating meat. Not you, not your children, not your grandchildren, not your neighbors, nobody, right? This is it. And when I say climate net zero is communism, this is it. When we look at DEI, right, this beautiful new thing that we are rolling out, right, equity, doesn't mean all the same greatness. Equity is the same poverty. It's the same gulag. It's the same starvation. And again, they mapped out um, dairy consumption, milk, derivatives, or equivalents. So that's your soy milk. That's your oat milk, right? Does anyone even have a cup of coffee to put this stuff in, right? Zero wow. kilograms if they really knock it out of the park. And I want people to think about this. This is what they put in print, right? It's like some kind of... It is shocking. It, it is shocking, isn't it? Like that they they actually tell us, and they have done that in the past. It's kind of like their uh, personal rules that they kind of let you know. And then they're like, when you complain and you finally catch up with what's happening, then they go, we told you we were doing this. No, no more meat for you. I mean, right. what what man who loves a good steak, and for that matter, woman, because I love a good steak, uh, good steak, is going to be happy with this. Um, I guess this is where uh, Bill Gates is going to bring in his uh, meat in a Petri dish that he wants us all to get on. I I mean, it's, it's just terrible. Or the bugs, or the bugs. but And then they've decided your calories. You know, not 200 and 2,000, you know, 600, not 2,700, not 3,000, not 2,500 mm. per person per day. Mm. And and so when you look at that, you think, okay, well, you know, climate's so important. They're telling us it's so important. It's very, very important. And I've got to say my background in science is in environmental science with a minor in chemistry. And so, you know, at one point I had looked at this hook, line, and sinker about 20 years ago, and I have not seen any of the, you know, projections that were supposed to happen by now happen, right? Mm -hmm. But what I have seen is the excuse for this stuff to, uh, you know, implement totalitarianism, right? And so we look at this and we say, my government is telling me how much I have to eat to save the environment. And so it's, it's a new level. You know, this is this new level. And the next the next slide, if you want to bring it up, yeah. they decide how much clothing that you get to wear, 
so again, you know, your clothing and textiles, did you know what you're wearing is, you know, bad for the environment? Mm -hmm. And well, how much are we all in brown uniforms now? Wow. Um, you know, part of, part of this communism is that we're all in these, these cities we can't get out of because how else are they enforcing this, um, 2,500 well, no meat. How are uh, all the left-leaning woke people uh, going to be happy with this? They're all about, you know, what they're wearing and their style and their, you know, name brand clothing. Um, this this will just be fascinating. Uh, clearly, Klaus Schwab and the rest of them at the top of the world aren't really thinking uh, like a woman, that's for sure. I mean, this for sure, this is a step too far, you know. Um, it's... It's absolutely, it is really shocking that they just. There's no purple hair dye. They're there's so controlling. There's no right. purple hair dye allotment. Like there's no right. allotment, <laughs> right? Right. We're in brown uniforms. There's no allotment. So if you go to the next page, yeah. you, you can find out, right, what it is that we're doing here. Okay. So by 2030, you get eight new items of clothing a year, right? That's oh. their progressive and if they, how am I going to do the know, show? Like wearing the same shirt every day, you know, it's every, a, every week. I figure we're all going to order the, the like parka size winter jackets and learn how to sew and ah. make, you know, make them into different things. Three oh. new clothing items per person for you. They wrote this down. <laughs> they you know decided. what I'm thinking? Right. What? I'm thinking, Lisa, that imagine like some of those, uh, you can put her back on here for a second, hon. I just want to, like, I just saw a girl, like, I don't know, this video went viral of this young person, right? It's like the Gen X or whatever. And they're just so sad because work days are so long, like nine to five, it's killing me and all that. I mean, <laughs> wait till they're like doing the videos that are just going to go viral. You know, I've only, I only have three outfits left. It's February. <laughs> I've already bought five. And I've only got three outfits left, you know, or, or the globalists are going to come after me. Like, it's just to actually, it, it's just a step beyond sanity to, to actually be trying to sell the world this nonsense, you know? Well, they, yeah. And they, they printed this up, they published it, they put it out there. And then your Very mayors well in Vancouver and in Toronto are codifying this whole concept. It's not even just, well, okay, they put it there. It's horrific that they wrote it, right? This is equity. You know, all these DEIers, this is your, your ultimate uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. We're all included in this, right? All the diverse nations, no matter who you are or what you are, you're all included. And the equity is that we all get three items of clothing a year. I mean, my my son, who's 12, goes through his jogging pant knees, like guaranteed, you know, throughout the month. I'm always, you know, do I go and buy all his shoes today that he may ever need because uh, 2030 is coming up? Um, wow. And, and they've right. thought, right? Yeah. Right? They've, it's It's astounding. Uh, it's it's somewhat amusing, but it's it's actually and really here's, sad. And here's the like, thing too, like reduce supply chain waste. Um, you know, the, they're going to just make it impossible. Like they're going to, the, the supply chain is under attack for, for food actually. You know, lately we've seen that every, 
you know, month or so, you're hearing about another factory going up in flames and, oh, do you know, so many train derailments and all of that. It's, it's really, um, you know, you're, you're watching something going very, very wrong. I mean, how many train derailments or, you know, factories blowing up can happen? I mean, it's just like when the hydroxychloroquine plants were suddenly on fire, three of them um, during COVID. It was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, um, they're consumptive interventions to stop you from consuming. There's just so many infinite ways to do it. Now, what they say is they do it and enforce it through regulatory mm-hmm. and and financial. So we're on the cusp of digital ID. We're on the cusp of CBDC, right? So you take that little QR code that you normalized by you know being a sheep during the pandemic. And you add that QR code, right, to a geographical range. So your money all of a sudden works in a geographical range. You add that QR code, you know, to items. So, oh, sorry, you had your one sausage a month. Can't get another one, right? You add that control. They say they're enforcing it through regulatory. So, you know, the laws. And I always say, when you spell out tyranny, is there really any moral compulsion about that law? If it's absolutely outright tyranny that is being spelled, is it a law? Is there any moral, you know, basis on which to line yourself up in that way, right? Right. And so you you have this ability through CBDC to enforce this stuff. You have the carbon trackers coming out. You know, you have all the OECD countries measuring where they are in the codification of every single life form and interaction with life, right? So they'll be able to measure it all. You have the AI, right? And you have this dystopian plan that solves for climate. And so I don't think has anything to do with climate. And that's why I say climate alarmism is actually paving the way for an ultimate gulag for communism mm-hmm. and 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 it really does affect um your mobility and i think the next slide up talks about your private transportation right and the private and then it trans- gets to aviation as well so that's something people are very concerned about okay so private transportation let me pull this up here you can go ahead jt put that up there we go all right so when you go to the next table, of course, so you're pri- driving around, moving, right, causes climate change. Now, I think a lot of people who are on the left, and I want to reach the left very, very much. I think a lot of people on the left think they're going to solve it with some kind of technology or it's going to, it's going to, you know, we're going to reduce emissions, but we're going to figure it out with solar panels and wind and we're going to figure it all out. But when you scroll down to the next page, Right. And there's, you know, a lot I, I, you know, come from the auto sector industry. There's a lot of discussion on EVs and ICE. Right. So internal combustion engines and which one's better and, you know, which one produces more carbon. And so there's this debate in, you know, in science right now. about well, when you add the, the production costs of, of the batteries and what have you, do you, you know, is it actually more efficient to be driving an ICE? But that's really not even where it's going. 
So they've decided your private transportation. So if you look, you've got um, the progressive target of 2030, which is 190 vehicles, right? They want to reduce ownership per 1,000 people. And then they've got the ambitious target. None of us. Only 190 vehicles per 1,000 people. That's the progressive target. But if, if they win and they do a really good job saving the environment, we can't drive. So you think you're leaving these cities? Like they call them the 15-minute cities and they're like, ha, 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 ha. You know, ha, 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 ha. Has nothing to do with, you know, you being in a pen. But you don't get any private vehicles. Wow. Right? And so what's, how are you earning a living? Are you in the food sector? Is there restaurants? Right? Are you in the clothing or retail mm-hmm. sector? Does that exist anymore? How about getting to right? the are doctor? Um, things that are, you know, you've got to go. You have to do things that are not right around your house. I, I know they might want if a 15 minute not, city, but old people, if you, you know. If you're not eating meat or dairy, I hardly think they really care. You won't have the energy either. <laughs> right? I, right? You're going to be chewing your nails because that's the collagen yeah. that you have access to. That's protein you're never going to waste. Right. And, right? You're going to be oh, licking no. your counters. You know why? You know why there's no waste in food? Because you're licking your plate clean. Nothing goes back. You've got nothing right? left. There's yeah. nothing left. Right? So look at this. So what's the optimum? This is another funny one here. What's the optimum life of a car? Right. Well, this is by 2030. Okay? So that means... Uh, the cars optimally would have been built in 2010 and you got to, you know, start holding on to them now and a 50 year lifetime body for the vehicle. Okay. Mm. Do we have 50? I mean, this is Cuba, right? <laughs> this is Cuba. We all have to become our own mechanics. So, you know, all the people who do car detailing, they're out of a job, right? There's no economy in this city. There's nothing. You, you depend on the state. And so the state can also do whatever it wants with you. This is their vision. Mm. You have to have just a tiny little bit of imagination when you look at their plotting of our future. And they, you know, it's not a plan. It's an analysis of a necessary change. And we're going to codify it. And we're going to put it in through climate plans in your cities. See, what I'm upset about, Lisa, is, you know, a lot of people like you work hard, you live in a great country. Um, you have oil and gas so that yeah. you can heat. You can be warm in the in the winter. Uh, you can run your vehicles. Um, you you can do all of these things. And yes, you can take measures uh, to always you know to help the environment. But you're just taking the joy out of life. Like this is beyond protective measures. Th- this is taking away everything that all of humanity worked really hard to kind of get to a place to have a life that is quite frankly, um, a biblical life is a life of, of abundance. Um, you know, God promises a, a great life to you. It doesn't always mean in a financial way, it doesn't always mean you have a new car, but for some people who have worked very hard, they don't, they are not going to be happy with a 50 year car that, you know, they basically can't really change it out. Now, it's great if you can get a lifetime for body of the vehicle. I mean, maybe that'll cause some um, 
you know, automobile manufacturers to make their cars last longer because they have to or they're regulated. I don't know how you make a car last like that, but you're just taking away the joy. Like most people within seven, eight years, you're kind of thinking, I did really well with this vehicle. I'm going to hand it off to, to my kids or a lot of people, they'll give away a car so that somebody that is in need gets a car and then they get their next car. You know, how are you going to go? How are you just going to regulate all of this? It's no fun. And the, the whole electric vehicle thing, um, like I live in beautiful British Columbia. If you have to drive to Kelowna, that's a four hour trip. So what do you got to yeah. stop and get all, you know, rejazzed? I mean, you're just adding hours to your day. You, you're going to have, you know, I have two thoughts about that. The electrification of the grid that we are seeing is because then you can have your smart meter turn it off. So if it's gas and there's a storm, you know, it works. You know, your gas stove still works. You can light your gas fireplace. You can get some heat, maybe. You can, you know, cook on the barbecue. Um, right. But the purpose is the control, right? And so we have to reduce, we have to reduce, and, and, and you have to put more people per square foot in a house, and you have to eat less food, and you can't have a personal vehicle. That's nobody, right? You know, their ambitious target is nobody. And so then you ask yourself if you're going anywhere, right? Are you, are you going up to the mountains to go skiing? Are you going anywhere? And what kind of job do you have in this kind of degrowth scenario? This is a complete degrowth. If you don't have um, a car, how do you get, not not very many people live one or two blocks from their home or even 15 minutes from their job, I'm sorry. Um, that's a very unusual thing. So yeah, you're going to have to have a lot of jobs. Lot, there's going to be a lot of new uh, envisioning of our environment, but that they are forcing on us, right? And it goes right down into the schools and in what they're educating in the schools. And a lot of people might say, okay, uh, you know, I don't like that they're educating about gender, but they're also educating constantly about re-envisioning and reimagining cities and what, you know, what do you need right near you, right? Because you then you can only walk there. And then that is your world. When, when you go to the next one, you find out that your municipal government is going to tell you how many trips you can take, you know, uh, and, and so you kind of wonder, uh, is everybody just going by Ubers and public transit within the city? Um, and then so we've got the aviation, okay? So you've already got in the UK the idea that they're going to uh, outlaw short haul flights and you can only have long, you know, long haul flights, but everybody else, you know, the, the elites are going to have their private jets, but this is for, uh, you know, everybody else who isn't, and, and I'm not even talking about the 1%. I think we're probably talking about the 0.1%. Um, so we've got the emission targets. And when you scroll down to the next page on this one, you're going to see how many flights you're allowed. And so mm. this is your government, where's our travel industry? It's gone right? So everybody who works in travel, there's no such thing anymore. There's no travel industry by 2030. The climate is the reason to decimate, to have degrowth, to decimate the economy. Once you don't earn a living, you are dependent on the government for everything. So what? Look, we've got one short wow. haul 
in flight every two years per person. That's the progressive target by 2030. And then one short haul return flight, less than 1,500 kilometers every three years per person. And and the ironic thing is, what are you going to another 15-minute city where you're going to be locked down? Like, where are you going? Where, where are they taking you? Where They've decided that this is a desirable solution for climate change, right? And so it it's very much looks like a gulag to me. You know, they, they have it left does. nothing to imagination. It looks like a gulag, right? So you don't have your personal transportation. You can't get in the car. Um, you know, they're, they're making these uh, rules where, you, you know, we have to outlaw the internal combustion engine. And then you have the EV engines with kill switches. Um, and then, you know, consumptive intervention just means, well, they can rip out gas stations or they can rip out charging stations or they can, you know, control the smart meter but, and allocate energy to you in a, in a small amount of a way. They can just decrease your scope of living it reimagines absolutely everything instrumentally um and then you know the last one is your smartphones so there goes the telecom internet of things kind of thing except for we're all hooked in aren't we so that they've measured that's emissions so you charging your phone is emissions it's not about solar panels right it's not about windmills it's not about the technology of carbon sequestration. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about it and then, you know, there's all these possibilities, but what's really happening is the net is coming out and they're telling you that you and what you do with your living is the absolute problem. You are the carbon they want to sequester. So if you look at the next page, you're going to have the chart of their expectation. Mm. They, They call it necessary. They call it necessary changes. And so all you TikTok videos and everybody who's on the left that I'm really trying to appeal to, because I really want you to know that what you're fighting for when you decimate, um, you know, the nation state and the people on the right who are trying to stand is what you're decimating is the last people standing in the fray and holding the line. Mm. Like here we are, we're holding the line. And we're trying to wake you up desperately. And all I got to say is take that, take that red pill. Just take it. You only take it once. You only take it once and see what's happening. And when you're advocating DEI in equity, you're advocating for the ultimate equity. You're advocating for a gulag. You're ag- advocating for communism of the worst kind. Right? So here you go. There's your seven year phone or your 10 year phone. They give you your elect, no, seven, seven year either way. They know it's not going to be 5.5 to save the environment, right? It's not four years to save the environment. It's not plugging it in less. Seven years, they decide. Wow. It's also arbitrary. It's also ugly. Now they, they have the charts, right? All their modeling. It's always the modeling. This is evil. It really is. You know, I look at it and I think only someone who thinks of humanity like animals writes this out. Right. And so I say to the left, 
If you are worshiping a culture that is a death culture, on one side is a death culture, and on one side is a life culture, don't believe in God. You might eventually, but don't. Just look and stack it all up. And where do you want to be? And I say that capitalism is actually the last, you know, it's there with the sword, right? I'm the one with the bugle. But the people who want our charter, want our nation state, want our borders, want our economy, right? Want freedom of speech. We are the ones trying so hard. And you think, okay, well, maybe this isn't actually even going to happen. Well, why don't we queue up what the WEF has in store for the carbon tracker? And while they say, okay, this, you know, this carbon tracker, it's not ready. It's, it's not ready. It's at the time it wasn't, but we're already seeing MasterCard can send you a bill with your carbon on it, right? We're about to normalize that tracking of carbon, the idea that, oh, you took too many bites of burger this month. Try less next month. So let's watch that wow. video if you, if you have it. You bet. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I can't wait. Stay tuned. Wow. <laughs> they, they really do have it planned for us. Um, and, for, and for everybody who's in the audience, left or right, right? Because, Laura Lynn, you have your viewers who, who love you for who you are. And then you have everybody who watches us or reads our sub stacks who's waiting to be able to scoop us up for saying the wrong thing, right? Right, for, you know, to censor us or to put us on a list. Those people who are watching us, those are the ones that God is saying, open your heart, open your eyes, right? They're here for a nefarious purpose, but we can reach them. And I believe that. I believe that 100% that they will see the humanity on one side and the absolute prison system that is being set up under their pet causes. And that they've got to start asking those questions. Am I really on the side of good and right? And does this really add up? So I know we have also a video or we could look at my uh, my smart city. Like, how is this happening, right? So, and before we get we to that, I you know I want to say yeah. like when you're when you're um, considering an idea, like because I look at all of this and I'm sitting here thinking, who who thinks this is smart? But you know how you kind of get something in your mind. Oh, I'm gonna do this. Like maybe, and and then you, you roll with it. And then your husband comes along and he looks at it. He goes, well, no, you can't put that you know, uh, that unit there, because then the door is going to be constantly banging into it and you go, Oh yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. But at some point someone had an idea and it seems like people should have been saying, this is really dumb. And instead like what's in it for all these people at the top, I'm not understanding because none of this, this is so 
bizarre world. Like somebody concocted this initially and then they had to share it around. And then I guess they all, you know, had too much wine to drink at some dinner while they were talking about it. And they all went, yeah, that's so good. Let's bring this up to Klaus. And, and then they shared it with so-and-so. And then somehow it makes it to, you know, these world organizations and people start more um, groups because everyone likes to be in a group. Oh, and we're all in the group that thinks that we should limit meat, you know? And, and so they just start um, having a good time amongst themselves, but not listening to anyone else. And, you know, I think you're right. And I like what you're saying. We're, we're hoping right now that somebody's watching that, you know, previously thought I was kind of crazy. And then you're showing their own materials. They're letting you know you can kiss your steak goodbye if they have anything to do with it. And your potatoes and, and anything else that you think is luxurious, you know, like having a phone every couple of years that you like to upgrade because you work hard, you know? Or clothing in a cold clothing. country. Clothing. Yeah. Clothing's yeah. on the line. Girls, clothing is on the line. More than you know? eight outfits a year. Like they want to reduce to eight outfits. That I mean, it's they just three. hideous. Three. Right. right? Optimally. Right? Three. I, I, I mean, um, how much laundry do you have to do for if you only have three outfits? I mean, they should have, you have to do laundry more because you can't let the hamper, uh, you only got three outfits. You know, I guess you'll keep what you had before. And th that'll become pretty special after a while. You know, what you wore back in, in the uh, 2010 might, might actually be a You'll comeback. You'll fit in it too. You'll fit in it. You'll yeah. lose that. You'll fit it because you're walking everywhere. Right. You have to walk everywhere and then you have to, you know, eat nothing. Yeah. It's, See, it's and, dystopian at, at writ large. It's it dystopian really is. writ large. And I know you, you came up with this idea that, you know, there's, it's innocence, but I don't think it's innocence. I think it's people are planning a, this or planning this. Plan. It's yeah. a plan. The people who are planning this. I uh, know full well exactly what they're doing because they're leaving nothing to chance. Is it right? the depopulators, no, like, the ones like Dennis Meadows who talk openly? Like it's such a chilling clip. Uh, Mark Friesen brought this out, and it's this clip of him talking about how there's seven, eight billion people, and he's this very wealthy guy in the Club of Rome. And he's saying, right. and you know, the world just functions so much better at like three or two million or, you know, one million. So, so we really need to get back down to that one million. And so this is what needs to happen. That's how the clip ends. Like, this is what needs to happen. So those yeah. people have to figure out, well, how do we get rid of people? Well, we got to starve them, make them hate life. They'll be suicidal. I mean, I don't even want to see myself when I'm only allowed to have eight outfits a year. I mean, JT is not even going to want to be in the same house as I am. You know, like, I'm wearing Life my is... same outfit. It's, it's August. I've only had four <laughs> outfits. You know, it's just, how do we get past this? You know, they're, they're taking the joy of living. And, you know, it, it strikes me, Lisa, that they're scaring yeah. us. Because this is scary, like you said. We should be afraid because they are scary. And when you scare people, you, you bring in a whole new element of, you know, the, the brain doesn't like it. Okay. So, you know, to that, I, I think it's true. 
to a certain extent, once you start understanding what is planned or what they have available as their tools to solve for climate change and it's, you know, sequester us as the carbon is frightening. Um, we were always going to die anyways, right? Like this whole will make you safe is basically a promise about immortality without saying it as such. And the cure for that is really understanding we are mortal beings, right? You know, I heard someone say the other day, um, if, if the good Lord doesn't want me, I'm sorry, you're not having me. But when mm. the good Lord is going to call me up, nothing, when the good Lord wants me, nothing can stay um, in front of him and from him taking me. Mm -hmm. So when it's your time, it's your time. It's your time. You just don't want to be going out before our time. Right, right. Like they, they keep giving us the statistical reasons for the extensions of our life for this intervention or that intervention, right? And what that promises is that it's a, it's a promise of immortality to us to a certain extent, but there is no such thing as immortality. And where the fear goes is understanding that if this is what they have planned, are you going to be on the side of good, right? You don't have to believe in God to understand there's evil and good. But once you do understand there's evil and good, you also understand that there's God, right? So if you hear this, you're being called not to be silent, right? You had that, that you know, that reading, you, you're being called for your weapon, right? Which is, you know, your sword is your pen or it's your voice, right? And like you're being in called, Nehemiah, like in Nehemiah right? this morning. Nehemiah, you're, you're being called for that trumpeting, mm -hmm. right? Put on a good song, get your mojo. It doesn't <laughs> matter what they want. Right. Yeah. At some point, there's a critical do mass. Do not comply. Right. You say, yeah, it's not only do not comply, but talk all the time. There, you know, before the climate had a lot of legs to it, I'm seeing a lot of people completely dismiss it. But not only must they dismiss it, they must do it loudly. They mm -hmm. must tell everybody what the plans are in their C40 cities and their global covenant of mayors. Mm -hmm. They must see how this is an undoing of the nation state. And everybody who thinks the elites, you know, you want to be ruled by an elite, you want to be ruled by an expert. What you're saying is AI is going to govern you, right? There's going to be no lawyers. There's going to be no, you know, the only enforcement is going to be your cameras watching you your digital ID and the CBDC currency. This is, the, this is the way it's running. And we have to say, no, we're human. Beautiful as is, we're human. And we want a human culture. That's what we want. So, you know, I, you know, are we afraid of, mm -hmm. I got a little sad, you know, understanding where they're going with this. Yeah. But if you want to just show the smart city infrastructure, uh, which I think is the next slide from my sub stack. Yep. You know, it's going to, a lot of people think, well, they'd never do this. Okay. They'd smart city. Oh, yep. I got that one. Okay. Here we go, JT. And JT's also pulled up the uh, clip by Dennis Meadows. Just so people, when I say yeah, that they watch. want depopulation, yeah, I, 
Like, I just want them to know, no, they talk like this openly, you know, and not everyone's seen it. Okay, go ahead, roll that clip then. Lisa gave us but the go ahead. In one way or another, we are so far, globally, we are so far above the population and the consumption levels, which can be supported by this planet, that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a, a, a civil way, I, I, and I mean civil in a, in a special way, I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through, through force, uh, but rather in other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for. Um, that we can, I mean, the planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. It's, unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, but if you had a smart dictatorship, and a low standard of living, you can have it. But, but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence, so we're going to have a billion people. And we're now at seven, so we have to get back down. I hope that this can be slow, relatively slow, and that it can be done in a way which is relatively equal, uh, you know, so that people share uh, the experience and you don't have a few rich, you know, trying to force everybody else to, to deal with it. So those are my hopes. I mean, these are pretty pessimistic hopes, you know, but I mean, that's, that's what lies ahead. That's what lies ahead, is he says. So how were, would people thinking like this, very wealthy people, you know, who knows, who know people that can make things happen? Um, maybe it's the stuff you're showing, Lisa. This is how you, you bring it down because that's what lies ahead. You're going to, you know, it is the ultimate equity. I don't know what our, um, you know, our standard of living would be extremely low. The hardships under a, a C40 city, uh, necessary changes uh, would be difficult. I don't know how long you would live in those kinds of scenarios either, right? Um, what kind of, you know, you, can you leave? Well, you, what's, you get these short haul flights once every three years, right? Well, can your daughter come? Did she live three years yet? Or you have to wait for her to... And, and so the Smart City Infrastructure Fund, there's both, uh, this is how they're funding it. And so what it allows, uh, whether you're in Europe or in North America, the Smart City Infrastructure Fund is the debt. So, you know, it, they come in, they do a presentation to council and they say, oh, well, you know, we can, we can tell you when your garbages need to be changing because we're going to have all the infrastructure to watch everything, all the cameras, all the listening devices, all the Wi-Fi. And, um, you know, you want it, you got it. And so we have our municipalities. That's another thing that your uh, user or your listeners want to go and check out. 
if your municipalities go into debt to put up this infrastructure. Now, who makes this infrastructure? Is it made in China? One of the things about the Belt and Road Initiative where China's, you know, paving this big silk road through Africa is they don't care about the investment at all, right? They'll they'll front the investment for the telecom, for the internet, because they keep the infrastructure. And so then um, they, they keep the infrastructure and they watch the citizens. And right now, you know, who's doing smart infrastructure? They've been doing it for at least almost 15, 20 years, uh, ramping it up in China where they use social credit. They use the infrastructure, the smart um, city infrastructure to have the cameras everywhere. And if you go to my Substack, it has a great um, visual of how it works um, in terms of, you know, they lay the cable down under the roads, the cables, you know, and you're seeing this construction everywhere where, you know, they're digging up the roads, they're putting in the cable, the cable goes up those street lights, the street lights then have, you know, listening devices, they have the, uh, you know, depending on where they are, they have the cameras, and they have the Wi Fi antennas. And then the all of that works with the smart meters that are being attached to people's houses. And so if you even think right now you have, a, you know, perhaps you have an alarm. So that's from my Substack. You can scroll up just a little bit and you'll see the whole image there. So it's cloud-based. And so they know who's on the road. They know where you're going to park. They have that. They run the fiber optics. They have the smart metering. Oh, you know, how many kilometers did you drive today? Right? Did you leave that smart city? Um, you know, it's monitored through the 4G, 5G, and there you have the cameras and the Wi-Fi, and then that, that'll work with your, um, if you go just a little bit lower, I think it has the smart meter, yeah, metering. smart metering of your house, right? So how much, how many resources are you using? The reason why everything they want electrified, right? They'll take that gas, Enbridge will be fine. They'll take that gas and they'll put that gas at a plant and still burn it. They'll have the same amount of CO2 in the air, but then deliver the electricity to you because then they can turn it off. They can decide how much you get. You get so much a day. You know, are we cold? Right? You know, those those heat pumps, they say they work to, um, you know, they're electrical. And, and there's this big push by the Biden administration and by Trudeau to put in um the heat pumps and the heat pumps are electrical. They work to negative 10 to negative 25, that range. So that means they could, or negative 15 to negative 25. That means they could turn off at negative 15, right? Not work. Well, we get pretty cold winters. I come from really Northern Ontario. I know what cold is, right? And so you have reliable furnaces that have safeguarded Canadians and Americans. And now they're rolling in with these heat pumps and what the heat pumps do is they're electrical, right? And so all of this is seamless. Your, your digital ID, your CBDC, your smart city. So when they say, oh, well, there's no such thing as a smart city. Well, there's a C40 city. There's a vision zero city. And I did a Substack on that. And that has to do with, you know, zero fatalities. Well, we have to get rid of mobility. It's like these concentric circles of power right? And they're all operating and all getting larger until each of those operations are unified, right? Wow. And so I would you say- You can see it happening. Like the way that you piece all the different pieces together 
And it's all kind of happening underneath our noses, which is why I think that you really advocate for getting in, involved in your local city council, like get involved in, in what your city's doing. Right. Even just go to meetings and, and see what are they, what are they talking about? What are they implementing? Here's, here's the path I would say to an individual, right? Know your global covenant of mayors. Know your uh, C40. Know your commitments. Then go in and look at your climate plans. Like here in Mississauga, we have, uh, I've seen that Cooksville is going to be um, the first 15-minute city plan. And what they do in their climate plans is they have two individuals who are in charge of rolling out the climate initiatives. And the climate initiatives, and whatever your climate commitments are, they come from those two individuals. Those two individuals literally bypass democracy again. They tell council what needs to be passed. They tell the provincial government what needs to be passed. And they tell the federal government what needs to be passed. And when, when you think about that, you think, well, here my global covenant of mayors is making commitments that's global and worldwide. C40 is global and worldwide. The digital ID they want to world work uh, roll out. They're starting with the EU. They're starting in different OECD countries. Is going to be global and worldwide. They want a global health certificate, global and worldwide. And they want us to be always working with the QR code. You know that we went from a freedom-based society. And we go to an access-based society where we access uh, our lives through the okay. And so it's, it's not okay. It's way further than we think. Um, and, and when you think about consumptive in interventions, you can literally make things so expensive that you can't afford them. When life becomes, you know, the cost of living is literally the cost of living. And we see that with the Trudeau government, right? We see that with the carbon tax and how much it's adding to inflation. And then we solve for that inflation with things like raising rates. And that just takes more money out of the economy and it's it just spirals and spirals and spirals if if you really think about their consumptive interventions there is no economy there's no room for an economy or growth it's all degrowth it's planned degrowth and they want that that's what they say they want they want to control your caloric intake so it's evil it really is and I, I like what you say in your Substack, and everybody needs to sign up to your Substack. Um, but you say you need to be asking what your city councilor's position on smart cities are. This is an easy thing to do. You don't even have to go to meetings. You just send them an email. Your city councilors are on an email. Your mayor and ask them. Uh, give calls into into these places and begin asking, raising the questions. A so they know. Oh, people are kind of watching this. Maybe I shouldn't just haphazardly. You kind of worry about who's on the take. Like who's getting paid a little bit of special something, something to be forwarding um, initiatives that are put out by some of these. I mean, you, oh, you just can't. This is being greased. Right. This is being greased like you wouldn't believe the money that is going into the green infrastructure, right? When you think of the green economy right now, Right. So, so many people making money on solar panels, installs, doing the green, green this, green that, like, 
and we're going into massive amount of debt, right? So all of those people who are on the take in the green economy, well, they're going to attack you and they're going to attack me and they're going to say what I'm saying is a, a bunch of BS, right? Because they make such a lot of money on it. But what I'm saying to them is that maybe all that glitters isn't gold. And what we've got here is tyranny. This is a, it's a plan to tyranny and we're using our own taxpayer money to, to run this through. You know, Janet Yellen and degrowth, well, you know, she's been on talking about degrowth before. Consumptive interventions is really the thing and it's gonna decimate the economy. So anybody who's in any kind of, you know, restaurant, business, uh, you know, uh, you know, charter or community group or use your faith groups or, or interfaith groups, reach out. You know, I know we're all focusing on, on the arenas of war right now, and we have been for a while, but to a certain extent, how much is this the real war and we don't even know it? Right, we do not even know that the web of infrastructure and laws are coming around us to put this in place, right? There's all kinds of construction going on. Find out from your city, what's that construction going to do? Are they making it so that, you know, you can't access certain areas? In the UK, in, they have um, this going down uh, a lot faster than they are in Canada. And if you look up hashtag together, you will find out all kinds of information on how they are trying to, you know, work against their low emission zone. So that's just another way to introduce it in your 15 minute city. So what they do is they say, well, this is a 20 minute per 20 kilometers an hour zone. Can you imagine? And they roll that out and they increase the amount of areas. So it's just so painful to drive anywhere. It's no longer efficient. And then they put barriers, right? You can't go past this. Well, this is for safety or this is for traffic. And so you want to get to, you want to go visit your daughter or you want to go to your church. It's over there, but it's not in your zone. You have to park and walk and you have to go, you know, it's, they make it harder and harder and they're just doing it by increments. But when you look at the C40, it's not a plan, necessary changes. It's a plan, right? And you see this is the ultimate goal, and that's where they're headed. And I think we have to wake up absolutely everybody. And I know the division between the right and left is very big, but who organizes like a union member if we could only get the unions actually awake? So speaking of the global covenant of mayors, you've got a video of John Tory, and that's mm. uh, Toronto's, uh, used to be, used to be yep. Toronto's He's mayor. That's right. And uh, yeah, do you want to set this clip up or shall we just roll it? So he, yeah, he's on C40 and Toronto's a very big C40 city. And we go from John Torrey to, uh, you know, Mayor Chow and uh, who's, you know, very left. We, you know, she used to actually march in a communist <laughs> march, you know, she, and she has supporters on the extreme, extreme left. I think the idea of a communist city doesn't would not shock her. I don't think she's in the dark on where we are. And certainly, you know, everybody liked John Tory or did we? Uh, he was not in the dark on where we were going on C40. And so we have a video of him speaking and the C40 mayors meet once a year or more often, but at least once a year. 
And, you know, they've been planning this for a very long time. So let's watch John Tory. Hello, this is Mayor John Tory from Toronto, Canada. It's great to be part of this year's World Mayor Summit, albeit virtually. The work being done by C40 and at the World Mayor Summit is critical in our fight against climate change. We know we need to work together as cities and leaders from around the world to address the challenges brought forward by climate change. Toronto's been a member of C40 cities since 2005, and we're proud to be part of this global network that is leading climate action and continually raising the bar of ambition. Doing our part is something Toronto takes very seriously. Toronto City Council adopted an ambitious strategy to reduce community-wide greenhouse gas emissions in Toronto to net zero by 2040, with the interim target to reduce emissions 65% from 1990 levels by 2030. Toronto's net zero target is now one of the most ambitious in North America, and rightly so. We're leading the way because the time for action is now. So we're building more transit, almost $30 billion in new transit under construction right now. One of the largest undertakings in the history of our city, probably the largest, one of the largest in North America. And that's so, among other things, we can reduce the number of cars on our roads and the emissions that they contribute uh, to the environment. We are working to reduce building emissions from both public and private buildings, which we know is a huge contributor, the biggest contributor in our city, to greenhouse gas emissions. And while we have the largest zero emission bus fleet in operation in North America right now, we are working to electrify more of our transit vehicles and to help have more chargers for residents' electric vehicles right across our city. We are proud of the work we are doing, but we also know that more work lies ahead. And that is why C40 is so important. We know municipalities have the power to create change on the ground. While Toronto has made significant progress, we know that we have a very long way to go and it will take all of us working together. And I'm very proud and very pleased and privileged to lead in that effort. And we know that we're not alone. It's great to be among so many other leading cities where we can learn from each other as we push the global ambition on climate action. So thank you for giving me the time to share a bit of Toronto's climate action story and good luck at the meetings. Ah, good luck to you. Hope you enjoy that <laughs> suit, Mr. Tory. Because that's one of the last suits you'll ever be buying. <laughs> oh my yeah, word. That's it. Yeah. JT that's was just it. mentioning, uh, like he's talking about these uh, electric vehicles and stuff. So there was an article about a guy, he had an electric Hyundai, was it? And uh, so the battery died. He'd only had it like not four or five years, but the replacement battery was 50 thousand dollars i mean it's just that's ridiculous right. who can afford that that is a new car and he's not going to be allowed to have a new car that has to last 50 years so better make the batteries to last 50 years so when if you see trans if yeah. you've transformed to an ev right and then they make electricity either so expensive or they regulate how much you get you're going to be choosing between cooking your little potato and you know whatever <laughs> And the you drive know, you have to have from the garden and yeah. uh, and charging your car right yeah. it's i you know their goal is zero personal vehicles by 2030 that's right. their stated goal see this, this just all brought do. it home i love i love this video thank you so much for providing this because this shows like you're not making stuff up yes you're a lawyer you know we have a hard time trusting lawyers except for you lisa but <laughs> You're one of the good ones, you know, and you're actually yeah. exposing this and you're not making it up. He's talking about the C40 cities. You can go to the documents that we've shown you, everyone, and, and have a look at all this nonsense and go, wow, like, 
like they're just coming for us, you know? So I appreciate it. Are you beginning, like, are you sharing this in lots of places? I know you've done some podcasts and broadcasts, but um, how do we uh, get it out there? This is my third one on 15 minute cities. I really, you know, I would, I would do more because, and I have more follow up on it. About, uh, how they actually then implement these targets within the municipalities. But, you know, I, I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to discuss this because yeah. it, it really is a very serious, serious issue. Um, and I, I really want people to go in and take a look. And in Ontario, that we passed the Strong Mayors Act, right? And, you know, I think when people are on council, you know, in, in maybe, you know, they drank the Kool-Aid, just the way people drank the Kool-Aid about the vaccines, maybe they're drinking the Kool-Aid about climate, right? I did. I tell you, I did. Um, you know, before I started asking questions, you know, consensus is the new safe and effective, but you've got these mm. people in their busy lives and they say, okay, yeah, I got to pass that. This, here's your, here's our climate initiative. Well, you know, 16 say yes and eight say no, and it goes through. Right. And with the Strong Mayors Act, it's only going to be the mayor and one other person. Right. So at some point, uh, we are going to see, you know, the short strokes on this. So mm. I think the more people understand the BS headed our way, um, the better. So, yeah, I would love to do more podcasts on it. And do you think we should get we have- out of cities? Like, do we stay and fight? For now, like, or, or do we just kind of go, you know what? It might be better. Come on, family. We're out of here. They're, they're all crazy. And soon we'll, you know, won't have, be able to have a car. So, so yeah, you can, you, you can think about leaving the cities, but I think they've got the whole market cornered in some ways. You know, they're shutting down gas stations now in rural areas. So what they're doing is that you have to travel so far, you know, you're a farmer used to, you know, go a mile or two to get to your gas station. Now you're going, you know, 20 miles to get gas, right? So, Hmm. you know, they're coming after us. This is a fight. This is an information fight, isn't it? That's what you're doing. You're in a war. You're and you're giving all this information so that people can be aware, speak up, speak out, question it, uh, tell everyone it, you don't want it. Yeah, and it really has to go industry by industry, right? So, the you know, activate the restaurant association because what are they serving? <laughs> right, there's no meat, there's no dairy, Steak. there's no dairy alternatives, right? This right. is a war. What are you going to be putting right. out and, there and for they, people they, to eat? They, they don't have an economy. The restaurant. Right, mm-hmm. you know, right? So... What about the fashion industry? What about the retail industry, right? They're already suffering because of people's uh, inflation and they have less money to spend. The average Joe just has less money to spend out there and they have to watch their pennies to keep their house, right? So we have to take one industry at a time and activate them and have them really super understand. Um, You know, electricians, you know, activate one electrician and he lets everybody else know. Um, they've got to understand what's going on. And I think, you know, in the planning industry, in the construction industry, and 
they are going to be looking at those cities and they're going to be looking at the changes being made at the highways. Like you're seeing on highways, you're seeing instead of having a regular 12 or 16 foot wall, you're seeing 30 and 40 foot walls go up right along the highways, right? Yep. And we're making it better, right? So what are all these plans? When a city says they're going to have an information meeting on something that's really, really good, what, what I discovered is um, they had sort of have designated public, right? So you have the climate plan going in through the climate counselors, the two people in council, and they work with a funded organization who is funded by the same people, right? Who gives them the feedback, right? That's their feedback. So I go to the meeting and I have a different feedback. I say, well, how, where are you going to put 200 uh, windmills in so many square miles? Like, where are you going to put them? What are you taking down? Right? Where's these windmills going? Where, you know, this is what you're doing. You said we're going to have these windmills. Where are they going? That's not feedback that they take. The feedback that they take is by the funded organizations. Like this is so captured, right? They fund the organizations. They Those organizations give the feedback. Well, they say, well, the public loved it, right? And then they have these funded studies, right? We're going to save so many people from dying from, you know, the pollution from taking the cars out of the road, right? Mm -hmm. Well, does anyone actually go into the peer-reviewed aspect of this, right? And they are rolling out the nonsense, right? And part of that report, when you go in and you look at the, okay, so chapter six tells us what we can't consume anymore. The next chapter is them just laughing at us, right? We save so many dollars from this, right? We save, this is, we're going to save this. And we're going to save so many forests and we're going to save all this rainfall. And we're going to save, like, and you're like, while I'm eating my nails and I, you know, and, you know, wearing my, my, my husband's old clothes because I can't get an outfit yeah. and they don't fit him. Right. You know, this is them laughing at us. Yeah. And, so, and, you know, in Alaska, what, no, where was it JT, those windmills and they've generated white horse. So they put up four windmills. They've generated zero electricity. You can see them on a video. They're not turning <laughs> like there's they, no yeah. 30, 30 million, 30 million bucks. So of, of our, you know, taxpayer money that's doing that. Lisa, thank you so much. This has been uh, really good. Thank you uh, once again for coming on the show and letting us know about all this important stuff that we need to follow up on. Strikes me that we need to do another show maybe next year uh, as we're seeing more yeah. implementation and warning everybody and just keep the messaging, keep the, keep the information going. And we just ask everyone to like, subscribe and share right now, share Lisa's message. Also, where can people follow you? There's your Substack, And if they want to book you for a, an event and all that is, is your email on your Substack? You can show this yeah, here, JT. Yeah, they can reach me through my Substack. Um, and the other thing they can do is I've got a book coming out. It's called On Professional. And this deals with uh, how professional bodies are an, another instrument of power that is just like the Global Covenant of Mayors, how they're weaving together and they're separating the citizens from their rights by creating professional bodies for just about everybody. And so... Um, that's imminently to be out and hopefully your doctors um, who are deeply affected by their professional bodies will like, like this read. <laughs>
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely yeah. wonderful, Lisa. Keep up the great work. Um, the sacrifice you. that you're making is for humanity, and we appreciate you. Thank you for taking your expert, uh, you know, your education, your gifting, your calling, wrapping it all up and researching, getting, you know, not paid to, to figure out what they're trying to do to us and then sharing nonstop and putting it out in your Substack, Like it's, it's phenomenal. We appreciate you a lot. We appreciate your sacrifice and the hours that it takes you to uncover all of this and just deliver it to us in a few minutes, you know, thank you really from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you very much. And th thank you for putting this out here, Laura Lynn, and, and all the work you're doing. And to any listeners who take this and, you know, take the next step and work with it to make changes in our world. Because mm -hmm. somebody's out there, somebody's out there that's going to listen to this and be the next change maker. Right. And we're the passing next person the person that gets it. Yep. We're passing the baton. We're going to keep doing it. Yes. I love it. Thank you very much. We'll put those links into the description so that people Thank can you. go and look at it for themselves and, uh, and maybe take it to their city councilors and start sharing themselves. Like send it to someone, everyone. It's crazy. All right. Thank you. I'll just take me in my one outfit today. Um, and, uh, have a, have a little breather, um, and uh, decompress <laughs> from all this horrible information I get. Uh, every day. Thank you, Lisa. Have okay. a good one as well. Thank take you. care. Okay. Take care. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. She's a doll, isn't she? And you know, she does have a bit of a sense of humor. I'm glad we can laugh, but I mean, it's, it's almost not funny, is it? But it, it's just ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not just sticking to eight outfits in a year. Hello. Anybody else out there uh, on, on my side about that? JT? You don't know. Oh doesn't care you're he's you're for the eight vote yes <laughs> this is not good <laughs> he's like yeah I, I actually really like that one <laughs> out of all of them okay all right my uh, website is laurelin.tv thank you very much for joining us thank you for liking us thank you for sticking by us we we present a lot of things uh, so that you're aware so you know what's happening so that you're not uh, befuddled and confused and and uh, what is that? Hornswoggled. You're not hornswoggled uh, by what, what they're doing, what's up, what's happening in our world. Thank you for, um, for seeing the, the needed necessity of shows like this to present information that you won't see on CTV, CBC, and Global. You'll probably see John Tory's uh, nice little commercial for C40s, but you're, they're maybe not going to dig down into the, the whole parts of it, you know, where... You only get to have zero meat on a good year, okay? I don't know what they're talking about. It, it's just, it just seems almost too ridiculous, right? It's just too ridiculous. And yet, it's right there. These are serious reports. These are, they are moving forward with their agendas. It's ridiculous. And I don't know who came up with this, someone that doesn't like meat, you know? And I mean, Bill Gates has a lot to gain. He's going to make this meat in a little Petri dish and we can, I guess, have spam. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. I like potatoes and meat. I like my vegetables and I love dairy. Oh, do I love dairy. Coffee and cream, right? I, I mean, I, life will like remove all joy if you're going to take away cream 
right? It's bad enough that when we've gone to Costa Rica, they, they have a problem with cream. Like if they don't have enough cream there, it's kind of just more milk. It's a strange thing. Yeah, that needs to change. We've got to bring down the whole thing on that. Um, we really appreciate you. And if you'd like snail mail, an address is box uh, 48184, uh, New Westminster, V3MOA7. And uh, our, our email is laurelinlive at protonmail.com. I appreciate hearing from you. Let me know what you think. Usually y'all let me know when you're unhappy. I do get those emails. Um, now, to be fair, I've mostly over the last four years gotten wonderful emails, but a few people, when you hit some topics, uh, they get really mad. And we've had that happen recently with uh, the Israel uh, Middle East um, issues that are going on. And, but I've started to get some of you wonderful people saying, listen, I could see, you know, what was being written in the you know, in the comments and, and the hate and the vitriol and the anti-Semitism and, and uh, they're, you know, sharing kindness with me and supporting and just saying, like, stand strong. So I, I wear my opinions and my beliefs on my, on my shoulders so that it, it's bared for all the world to see. I don't hide anything. If people ask me my opinion, uh, maybe it's dumb, but I usually tell them. Maybe sometimes I should just say, I'm not going to talk about that. Maybe I will one day. <laughs> but usually I have an opinion on something and I try to think it through and then I come up with what I feel. If I'm wrong, uh, I can admit that. And if you'd like to convince me otherwise, I love it. Lots of people have been sending me stuff. Um, I watch it. Like you send me, hey, Laurelyn, you've got to see this. You're totally wrong. You're totally wrong on this issue. you got to see this video. It's going to change your mind. I watch the video. I'm like, pfft. What a load of nonsense. And, uh, and then I let you know, I write a very nice cordial letter usually, except for that one person. I just told them, please stop writing me. You're just an anti-Semite and I don't care. Like you are brutal. You know, it just, some people can't take any information and learn from it. And if you try enough, then you go, there's just, there's nowhere to go. You can't cast your, your pearls before swine any longer. Like if, if, if we're not going to agree, well, let's just part and disagree and not be stressing each other out by all of it. But if I can present something good, I will. And I try to do that every single day on the show. Thanks for standing with us. I appreciate it. Um, have a wonderful evening. I'm going to close with something I love to do, and that's read from my Bible. First John 1 verse 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. You know, what? what is the word saying here? What is darkness? Darkness is evil. Darkness is telling people lies. It's concocting an agenda for harm. Darkness is where you are hiding what is really true and you're putting forward something else. In the darkness lurks the truth. The beautiful thing about God is because he's light. When you invite him in, 
when you ask God to help you, and I do hope that you do that because I ask the Lord that every day. I'm like, will you show me the truth, God, because I have to sit in front of people and I don't want to make a mistake and I don't want to present falsities and I don't want to present frivolous news. I want to tell people what is important. What do you want me to say? I ask them all the time. What do you want me to say? Because there's so much darkness. There's so much evil. And those who perpetrate evil, sometimes they want to pretend they are light. They want to pretend that they're giving you good information. Well, it's not good at all. They're concocting things to hurt and harm humanity. And that, that's against God's heart. And God won't stand for it. And eventually, it'll be shown. But if we walk in the light, it says in verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, we've talked an awful lot about blood this last three years. You know, life is in the blood. It's a beautiful color. You know why? Because it's so precious. Blood is, you know, yeah, it's, you know, we can all be freaked out of it like my my good friend who was freaked out by blood, she was training to be a nurse. <laughs> no, no, she was training to be a doctor, actually, an emergency room doctor, and she couldn't stand the sight of blood. But the reason that Jesus shed his precious blood, his life, was so that we could be purified from our sin once and for all. Because in the Old Testament, if you remember what they did, was they had to bring their little lamb, they had to bring their sacrifice, their oxen to the to the sacrifice altar. And it was gross and you know, talk about a lot of blood, you know, everywhere. And and they had to do this in order to, you know, appease the Lord for, for the sins that was in their heart because sin separates us from God. So when God saw this sacrifice and it was costly, then he forgave. Well, Jesus became the final sacrifice. Nobody needed to bring their lamb. Nobody needed to bring all of their animals to the altar anymore because he paid the ultimate price with something that was so precious. It cost him everything. It cost him his life. And because of that, you and I, we are free. So fight for that freedom. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.